Good morning. I wonder what you are longing for. Where are you desperate to find happiness and fulfillment? Perhaps you are longing for the end of term. Perhaps a holiday. Perhaps a cold shower. Perhaps a new minister. Perhaps you're longing for something a bit more serious. Perhaps you're longing for healing. Perhaps you're longing for acceptance. I've chosen a psalm today, uh, a Hebrew song, Psalm 84, written, we don't know when, two and a half, three, three thousand years ago, perhaps, in the Hebrew language. Uh, the heading on it says, for the director of music, according to Gittith, and we don't really know what that means, it's probably a musical term, of the sons of Korah, who were probably a group of people who led worship in ancient Israel, a psalm. And the words of it are on the screen. It's quite small because I tried to fit the whole lot on the screen, but uh, all the more reason for you turning it up in your Bible if you have one um, or on your phone or something like that. But a psalm, a beautiful, a beautiful psalm, a poem, a song inspired by God, showing us, as all psalms do, as all Scripture does, something of God himself and something about us and what our right attitude is as we approach God, what we are created for, where true happiness and fulfillment lie. And there's one word that comes three times in the psalm. You could translate it fulfilled, you could translate it happy, but uh, it's usually translated blessed. So it comes... Um, comes in verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. It comes in verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And it comes in verse 12, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed. I began my ministry in this church by preaching on Psalm 1. And I said at the time that I hoped I'd be able to preach on every psalm, and I haven't managed to do that. But uh, Psalm 1 begins with that word, blessed. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law. And in, on God's law, he meditates day and night. And here it comes again, blessed. Blessed are certain sorts of people. Blessed are the people who do certain things. Are you blessed? Do you feel blessed? Well, that's what I'd like to think about briefly this morning. And I'm going to use those three words of blessing as my framework. So, uh, first of all, I think you're going to... Oh, doesn't seem to be moving, Danny. Could you move me on? Blessed are those who have found their true home. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. You see, I've highlighted all the words that are to do with home, about being settled, about finding a place to be. Uh, this is mainly the first part of the psalm, although it's also got verse 10 in it. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. My soul longs, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh resound to the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young 
near your altar, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is it one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the door of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So this first part of the psalm talks of home. And clearly to the original writer, to the original people who sang this psalm, at the forefront of their minds would have been the temple in Jerusalem. That is what they are primarily talking about here. The place uh, in the Old Testament where, uh, in very physical terms, your spiritual home was. And if you could, you went there from time to time on pilgrimage to worship. But only the priests lived there. So most people would have to, couldn't get much further than the doorway. But I'd rather stand at the door of the house of the God, even if I can't actually live there, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus reveals that, in a sense, he, he fulfills the purpose of the temple. We don't need a physical temple anymore. Jesus has prepared a heavenly home for us with God, with all his people. And, and Revelation draws on that language of the first verse there. Um, you remember Revelation 21, now God's dwelling place will be his, with his people. Uh, we read in Revelation 21, a picture of the end of time when we are gathered up with the Lord Jesus on that great wedding day when we're united with God. And no longer a dwelling place is a particular location in Jerusalem, but it's a place where we're all going to be where God is. And that's what we're looking forward to, isn't it? Yes, I hear a yes and amen. That's great. So that's our ultimate home. But in the meantime, we have that home which we are longing for and uh, which we should still think of as home. But in the meantime, we have another home. Where is our home now? Well, the New Testament focuses us away from buildings to a spiritual temple built on the foundations of Christ, built of, built of what? Built of you and me. A spiritual temple made of people, made of living stones. 1 Peter chapter 2. Where we're all priests, no one has to dwell just at the doorway, we can all go right in. We're all called to be priests. We're all called to enter into God's presence fully. As part of what? As part of church. Now, we can over-spiritualize that. We can say, well, we don't actually need to meet together. I'm part of the church. I don't actually have to be with other people. I find them quite irritating and inconvenient. Ten o'clock's not a great time for me. It's a bit warm, etc., etc. We can over-spiritualize it. We can try and find ways of doing church that, can, that is convenient for us. But our home, folks, our home is together. Not, not the building as such. We need buildings. You know, sometimes it's rainy, sometimes it's hot. We need somewhere to meet. We need somewhere to welcome people in. But it's not the building. The church in the New Testament is never a building. It's always the people. Our home is here together with one another. A place, well, what do those verses say? A place to settle. A place to make our nests. A place to multiply. 
a place to worship, a place to shout out to God in praise and thanksgiving, a place to sing both outwardly and inwardly. It talks about our hearts. My soul longs even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, what's deep within me, and my flesh resound, cry out to the Lord. A place to serve. A place, as we read in the New Testament, a place to learn, a place to break bread together, a place to have fellowship, a place to be, a place to belong. And it's ever so easy to find reasons not to, to lose our sense of privilege and longing. Maybe we do find people difficult. I always think of C.S. Lewis. I don't, have you read the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis? This imaginary um, di- uh, well, correspondence between a junior and a senior devil. And they're discussing this person who's become a Christian. And the senior devil, Screwtape, is advising, giving advice on how to tempt this person. He, he says, make sure when they go to church that they look around and they find people irritating. You know, the person next to them is a little bit flat in their singing. They remember that that's the person they met in the street the other day and maybe they said something stupid to them. Just keep reminding them of those things. Don't let them remember that as they look round, they are seeing the bride of Christ. Don't do that. Don't let them think that. Well, my job today and your job every day is to keep reminding yourselves that these people around you are not an irritating bunch of people you'd rather annoy, you'd rather avoid. They are the bride. You are the body of Christ, the church of God. Maybe we find God's truth and God's presence challenging. They can be challenging. They can be awesome. Maybe we have other priorities. But, friends, God wants you to say these verses about Haywards Heath Baptist Church. Not, not the building, one another. How lovely is your dwelling place? That's you lot. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts? My soul longs, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Yes, I'm longing for that day in heaven when I will be in God's presence and God's dwelling place will be his people. But in the meantime, I'm longing to be in the courts of the Lord with his people. My heart and my flesh resound to the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Near your altar, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the door of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And thank goodness we don't have to stand at the door because of Jesus. We can come right in. Yes, folks, this is to be our safe place, a place of longing, our happy place, a beautiful place. And yes, this is and has been my spiritual home. Where I have grown, it's not the only place. It's not always been a comfortable place. It's sometimes been a deeply challenging place for me, but it's been a place of blessing. When we first walked through the doors of the, what was the previous building in 1998, 
Uh, we then had two, two little children with us. And since that time, this, not the building, the people have been our spiritual home. Uh, we've had different roles in the life of the church. We've worked with different people, some of whom are now in glory. But it's been a place of blessing for us. It's been a place where we've had to make ourselves vulnerable. You stand up here and you are vulnerable. And remember that when you have a new minister. A place of being taught, a place, a place of being sent out from, a place of being honed and refined, a place of being refreshed, a place of doing things together, of being church and building God's kingdom together. Our home, not the building, the people. Look what God has done for us over all the years we've shared. Ever since the day he joined our flickering lights into one flame. Look at all the lives he's changed. By his grace we're not the same. All the fruit that's grown, all that's yet to come. Look what God has done. And his love goes on and on forever. Can you say that? I thank God that I can say that, and I thank God for you and for giving me the privilege of being part of this family, of being home here. Maybe you're here and you're quite new here. Maybe you're even a visitor today and you're thinking, oh, maybe this wasn't the right day to come. Make this your home. Make this your home. Maybe you've, you've been away and you've, been, and you've just come back. Make, come home and make this your home. Maybe you've been here for a while and you've started to take it for granted and you're not sure you can really say those words on the psalm and, and apply them to Haywards Heath Baptist Church. It's, you don't feel quite that intensity towards it. It's a bit more take it and leave it for you. May this be your home. May you feel more intensely about this bunch of people than you do about the place where you go and spend the night and paint the walls and do the garden. Because this is meant to be your spiritual home amongst God's people. Will you make your home here? Will you invest yourself and give yourself for God's people? It's hard to think of a greater privilege than doing that, whether that's teaching in junior church, whether that's going out on your front line on behalf of God's people and on behalf of the Lord himself and talking about the Lord Jesus whether it's serving in the life of the church, whether it's putting out chairs or preparing the coffee. I would rather stand at the door. I would rather be a doorkeeper, sometimes it's translated. I'd rather be the person that does the most menial job in this house amongst these people than dwell in the tents of the wicked. We are called to go out and be amongst the wicked and be amongst people who are not necessarily wicked in themselves, but who know nothing about the Lord Jesus, of course we're called to do that. But if there isn't something in us that desperately wants to be here amongst God's people, then the Spirit has more work to do in our lives. Will you make this a home for yourself? And will you, make, will you be a homemaker here? Some of you are great homemakers. Will you be a, a spiritual homemaker Will you be someone who makes people feel really welcome here? Not just on a Sunday, but all the time. Blessed are those 
who have found their true home. Let's move on. Blessed are those who are on a journey. This is the second place of blessing, according to the psalm. Pilgrimage, movement. It's a sort of, it balances the first point uh, because uh, it's a reminder that, yes, we, we need to have a home. We need to have somewhere where we're grounded and settled, but we mustn't become sedentary. We mustn't become too comfortable, too settled. We have to be always on the move as well. Blessed are those who are on a journey. Blessed are those, the psalm says, whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. You see, I've highlighted the movement words. Blessed are those who are on a journey. In life, in this life, we never arrive, not fully. We're always being called to go. And as we go, we grow. If you sit still and are entirely passive, and I don't just mean in a physical sense, but if you are just entirely passive, you won't grow. I mean, you won't. You will just stagnate. It is as we journey that we grow. Verse 5 there, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You could, you could translate that, in whose hearts are the highways. There's something within your heart that makes you want to move on, that wants, makes you want to keep going, that makes you want to learn more and grow more and be more like Jesus, in whose heart are the highways, who doesn't want just to stop and be settled. Uh, earlier in the, in the previous section, we thought about praise coming from our hearts, and, and yes, that a heart is a place from which praise should come out, but it's also a heart should be a place that pushes us on, that says, keep going. Don't get too settled here. God doesn't care which tunes we sing or how well we sing them, but he cares very much about our hearts, a yearning to go forward with him, a heartfelt desire that we won't just stop here, that we'll keep moving that will be spiritual travelers and learners, not just settlers, whatever our age. You might remember that earlier in the year, as a vigil aid, I, I brought a bicycle. I thought about doing it today, and I thought, I'm not, I'm not cycling up the hill this morning. Um, I'll, be all, I'll be all wet by the time I get here. But you remember, I, I got a bike, and um, I mean, some people are able to do this, but you can't, it's very, very hard to, to balance on a stationary bicycle. You have to have motion. As soon as you stop you overbalance. It's a, it's a parable for the spiritual life. We need to keep moving, otherwise, otherwise we're going to overbalance. We have to keep moving. We have to keep growing. Pilgrimages could be joyful. You'd, you'd go along with a bunch of friends. You'd be, you'd be off to Jerusalem with your friends and your family, and it could be a joyful time, a social event. But it could also be dangerous and costly. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, we're not quite sure what the Valley of Baca is. We're not even sure actually whether it's a physical place or whether Baca is a word that means something like dryness or weeping. Some, if you might have a Bible that translates it like that. But the, it's speaking of, a challenge, of challenges along the way. 
This is not always a smooth journey. It's not like being on the escalator and you just, you get on and you completely relax and, and in a few moments you find you've reached somewhere and you haven't had to do anything. Spiritual pilgrimage is not like that. It's not like an escalator ride. You, it requires perseverance, dedication, etc. Discipline to keep going. Eyes focused on our destination. We are focused on getting to Zion. Not not the physical place, but our ultimate destination with the Lord. I've been here uh, seven years as minister and, and longer prior to that. And, it, and it's been a journey, I can tell you. Uh, I've, been, I've been clearing out some stuff the last few weeks, and it's a reminder of some of the things that have happened, some of the things I've learnt. I've learnt a lot about myself a lot about, I thought I knew quite a lot about myself, but you learn quite a lot about yourself um, in a role like this. I've learned a lot about God. I've learned a lot about my limitations. And I've learned that God often works best when we are beyond our limitations, when we realize we can't do this ourselves. And there have been numerous occasions when I felt like that. And those, those occasions are never pleasant. And you'd be, you'd, there'd be something peculiar about you if you went looking for them. But you look back and you think, yes, actually, that was the time I grew. That was the time when I was aware of God being with me. In verse, in verse 6 there, um, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You, your translation might translate springs blessings. It's, there's a bit of uncertainty, again, about the Hebrew. But these difficult places can be places of blessing. And, and I look round and I see you and I see people who've been through difficult stuff. And it's not stuff you'd want to happen. You'd, you'd be weird if you'd have wanted it to happen. But having gone through it, you look back, and I've heard you say this to me. Yes, I can see that God has brought good out of it. Yes, it's been a place of blessing even though I'd never have chosen it. Look at all we've shared in him. Joy and laughter, tears and pain. Grace to carry on when days were dark and all our strength was gone. Look at all the prayers he's heard. All the times he's proved his word. Blessings on our homes, children that have grown. Look what God has done. And his love goes on and on forever. As has been mentioned, as a family, we're now embarking on a journey, not really knowing where, we're, where it's leading, where we're going to live, etc., but trusting that we will learn more of God on the way and that we will be able to look back on this journey and see his blessing in it, confident that he will be enough and more than enough for us, that we will go from strength to strength, as the psalm says, till we each appear before God in Zion. Because our strength is in God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. If we try and do this by ourselves, it's not, it's not going to go well. So pray for us. But will you be a pilgrim people? Straining forward, not living in the past. Expectant, confident, persevering. Not looking for a minister who's going to take you back but take you forward. Not looking for a minister who's just a blend of all the good bits of previous ministers you've known. Good luck with that. <laughs> but looking for somebody who will take you forward. Will you be a pilgrim people that model a life of pilgrimage 
to the children and young people in your family and our church family. Deb's mentioned the Faith in Later Life course next Saturday. Uh, I hope you'll go, on to, uh, go along to that, whatever age you are. And I hope, but I hope you'll also pause to think, actually, what does that mean in the life of our church? This is a church that's you know, approaching its 50th birthday. It, there's a danger that a church as a whole can, like, like people can, just sort of start to drift and coast. You don't want to be that sort of church, do you? You want to be a church that's still on a journey, that's still pressing forward, that's still seeking where God's taking you. May that be so for you as a church family in the years to come. Blessed are those who are on a journey, who are moving forward, however challenging that might be. And then finally, blessed are those whose focus is on God. Church and pilgrimage are good not in themselves, but because we find God there, because God is present there. They are our current home. God is our current home and our ultimate home, really. And these things, these, the, the church family, the pilgrimage we're on, they are simply signs and pointers towards God himself. And, um, I mean, you, I could preach a whole sermon on, this, on these verses. I mean, what is God like? What do they tell us about God? Always the, the best thing to ask yourself when you're reading a bit of the Bible. What do they tell me about God and what he's like? Well, well, says the psalm, the Lord God, that's Yahweh God, the, the divine name. What, what he's like, this personal God who's revealed himself, well, he's a son. He's like the sun. Uh, he, he illuminates things. I, I know God's real, says C.S. Lewis, not because I, it, because it, like the sun, it's not because I can see the sun, but because, because the sun exists, I can see everything else. And God's like that. God illuminates everything else. God makes sense of life. If you don't know God, life becomes meaningless. God is a son. He's piercing, though. He's penetrating. He shows up stuff that perhaps times we'd rather be hidden. That's what the son does. But the son is also life-giving. God is a son. God is a shield. Perhaps that's the counterpart of being the son. The shield is there to sort of protect us from stuff that is, is overwhelming and dangerous. And God is both our sun and our shield. Well, he wants to be, if we will invite him to be. And then these beautiful words. The Lord gives grace and glory. Oh, what else do you want? I mean, what, what could be better than that? God gives you grace and glory. That's the kind of God he is. Thank you. And we heard about grace on Monday. And I drew the, drew the, the parallel between grace the person who we remember and love dearly, but grace after who she was named. Grace, this attribute of God whereby he is always giving, he's always generous, he's always compassionate, he always, he gives us, it's, just, it's more than just mercy, it's more than that he just doesn't do the nasty things to us that we deserve, it's that he goes beyond that, he gives us beyond our ability to imagine or think. He's a gracious God. He gives of himself to us. Supremely, he died on the cross for us that he, we might be reconciled to him. He is a giver of grace and glory. And as I said, this psalm was originally written in Hebrew, and that word for glory, it literally means heaviness, weightiness. He's not some sort of fly-by-night God that you can't quite rely on still to be there tomorrow. 
He's a heavy, he's substantial, he's solid. You can rely on him, you can build your life on him. He can be your rock and your fortress. That's the kind of God he is. The Lord gives grace and glory, and he's giving this glory to us. He is transforming us into his glorious presence from one degree of glory to another, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He is giver, and and there's more. The Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. And, And in case you're thinking, well, there's something else that he hasn't yet given me, no good thing does he hold back from those whose way of life is upright. If you're actually interested in this God and you want to pursue him, you will find there is not a single thing that he withholds from you. What does that remind you of? Who is that pointing us towards? It's an easy answer. It's always the answer with me. Jesus, okay. So, so the writer of this psalm didn't, didn't know Jesus, but, in, but we believe that all Scripture is inspired and points us towards Jesus. And Paul writes in Romans 8, and I wonder if he's thinking of words like this, He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Is there anything that God is going to keep back from his people if he's given his own son to die for us? I mean, obviously not. That's what the psalm says. That's what Paul says. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, how will he along with him not also graciously give us all things? Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, by whose sacrifice we can enter the most holy place with confidence. Blessed are those whose whose focus is on God, whose eyes are fixed on him, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those of you who were here just over seven years ago, when I preached with a view, you might be having another one of those soon, so listen out to what the person says. I'm not involved in the process. I'm I'm not trying to skew it or anything like that. Well, I am actually. So here's, there's only one way in which I'm trying to skew it. So this is what I said. And, and, I, and, I, and I know I failed to live up to this, but this is what I said at the end of my preach with a view. And I have quoted this before. If the church members call me to be a minister here, I make no claims to be a perfect minister. Good, I haven't done that. I make no promises always to be, do, and say what you want. I haven't done that either. But I make this commitment, and I confess I haven't always done this, but I've tried to do this. I make this commitment that with God's strength, I was always hold out before you the vision of the Lord Jesus. And that is what we are all called to do. It's not just for ministers. Actually, biblically, we're all ministers, by the way. It's a, it's a funny thing. We do church and we call some people ministers. You're all ministers. Did you know that? And good news, for a while, you're not going to have some guy that everyone calls a minister. So this is your chance to be ministers. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Be ministers. Talk about the Lord Jesus. Will you make it all about the Lord Jesus in this place? Will you take up his cross and follow him? Will you talk about him? Wasn't it lovely in the baptism service last week when Belle was being baptized to hear about what her friend Connie had done for her? How she had kept on telling her about Jesus and all the things she knew about Jesus and how she needed to come to church to find out about Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be, all be good if we were more like that? Will we make that our priority? Will you make that your priority? 
when you're finding a new minister. I hope he won't look anything like, or she won't look anything like me. I have no interest in things like what gender they are or how old they are or what tradition they come from. But will their life be all about Jesus? More so than mine has been. Were you looking for somebody who will be more like Jesus than I've been? Freely we have all received. Freely we must also give. Thinking of the price he paid that we might be his very own. Born for such a time as this, chosen for the harvest years, we have just begun. The best is yet to come. Look what God has done. And his love goes on and on forever. So I want to end with some words of blessing. There are funny things, blessings, kind of thing ministers say, aren't they, blessings? I'm not quite sure what a blessing means, but I think, in my, to the best of my understanding, a blessing is when we proclaim something that God has already said, but we proclaim it over somebody. We don't, we don't make these things up ourselves. I have no right to call blessed something that God has not called blessed, but I can, all of us can, proclaim a blessing in God's name over people in words uh, to express things that God has already revealed. So just based on what we've thought about this morning, I want to proclaim a blessing over you. Here it comes. Blessed are you. Blessed are you whether you're a member or a visitor here. Blessed are you if you are finding your home here amongst God's people. And blessed are you if you are helping others find their home here. May Haywards Heath Baptist Church be a home, a spiritual home, for many more people, for blessed are those who find their true home. Secondly, blessed are you, members and guests here today, if you are on a journey. It's good to be on a journey, even if that journey is a struggle. May Haywards Heath Baptist Church be a place where you and others find food and lodging for the journey, where you find encouragement. Blessed are you. Blessed are you if you find that here and if you help to give that here. And finally, blessed are you if you trust in God as individuals and as a church fellowship here. However faltering that trust is, may Haywards Heath Baptist Church be a place where that trust is always evident in word and action, where Jesus is lifted high where we're always seeking to follow Jesus more closely and more dearly. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who have found their true home. Blessed are those whose focus is on God. Blessed are those who are on a journey. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for how a, a psalm written uh, maybe 3,000 years ago still has words for us today. We pray that by your Holy Spirit you will seal its truth on our hearts. You will help each one of us as individuals to hear your voice to us today and not to forget it but to walk in it. But I also pray very specifically for this church as a community together that you will help this to be a church which continues to listen to your voice, that continues to proclaim your truth, that continues to journey forward, focused on you, focused on the home you are preparing for us 
but also focused on the home you are calling us to make for those who journey in the here and now. Will you bless each person here today? Will you bless those watching on Zoom? Will you bless those who can't be here? Will you bless those who, who for one reason or another, seem to have fallen away and have lost their first love? Lord, will you draw them back in your time? And all these things we pray in the name of our Saviour and Lord. Amen. We're going to sing again now, and uh, this is the other...